are, and welcome to a very special episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. We have a huge, awesome series of interviews we're going to do today. We are at the University of Arizona's School of, I hope I get it right, there's so many letters, Film, te- film Theater and, no, Television, <laughs> oh. Theater, I only practiced this a hundred times. It's a tongue twister. The University of Arizona's School of Theater, Film, and Television, TFTV. We love this school. We did, people will remember, we did an awesome episode at South by Southwest with three of the filmmakers, Mm -hmm. filmmakers, Sasha and Roxanne and Zach. And we were invited back by the wonderful school. And we can't get enough of these amazing students and their awesome films. So, uh, Beck, are you ready? Are you excited? You're the most excited. I'm the most excited. She's controlling her face, because Becky went to film school, so. I went to film school. I work in film. My day job is film. My my very expansive hobby is podcasting. <laughs> um, and so it brings back a lot of memories and a lot of joy to be you know, hanging out with film students again. I both feel young at heart and incredibly old right now. Yeah, and because I was never film students, I, you're, it's just amazing to me what you all have created. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything that went into it, so I'm just like, how do they do that? <laughs> okay, and we have two amazing guests that are kicking off our day because they, they get to listen to the preamble that no one else has to hear <laughs> today. We have with us director Chloe Peso and star Isabella Russo of unconditional a beautiful i would say uh it's not heart punching heart punching like heart squeezing heart squeezing mm-hmm. drama about uh loss and family and mourning um that uh we can't wait to get into so i know that's like so sad what so we're talking excited about, to talk about but we promise really, we're also really going to talk about happening. snl with chloe as well <laughs> okay welcome to the show thank you and, thank you and to the family um Chloe. Yes. Uh, so in your film, there's a mother and a daughter. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with giving away possessions uh, of uh, the father who passed away. Mm-hmm. I, I assume it's the father? Yes. Um, and uh, the daughter has a hard time giving away a particular shirt. Now, my daughter gets very attached to inanimate objects. <laughs> and as do you. I, as do I. <laughs> I connected deeply to Isabella's character. Mm-hmm. Like, I I was imagining, like, when I die, my daughter's going to keep all my old shirts. Mm-hmm. Turn your house into a museum. I mean, but that's also, but I, that's kind of my that's request right. also. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so. I want to start at that moment, mm-hmm. something that was deeply connecting personal to me. First, Chloe, what made you decide on the shirt and that being something that would be the the thing that connected Isabella's character and, and was such an emotional point. And then Isabella, I want to hear all about how you got into the mindset and, and performed that scene. Cause that's a, that's a really dramatic peak mm-hmm. in this, in this amazing short. Yeah. So, um, well, I think just grief, like as a thing is very interesting and I've dealt with grief, grief and loss in the past. Um, but one thing that has always like kind of got me through is like shirts cause they leave a scent, um, of the person. And so that's what kind of drew me to bringing in that flannel is because typically like any type of sweatshirt, pant or whatever clothing item, they usually like correlate with like the scent of the person. Um, And so that kind of drew me to choosing that object or that piece of item in particular. Um, And also just with Isabella's performance, like 
when she does like clutch it in the end and kind of like brings it to her face, that kind of just like brought that whole evolution together for me, even though like that was a thought, but then she just really brought it together and kind of pieced it all. So that was kind of the overall idea behind it. That's awesome. So Isabella, I'm like an old man and <laughs> I felt deeply connected to your performance. Like I felt, I saw myself in that character um, as an actor. How do you, how do you do that? Well, I will say the shirt was really helpful and like through different versions of the script, it became more significant. And as an actor, like having an item like that, that I can just think about and instantly be like, I need to see that because it reminds me of him. And having that come back and like, just have that through line all throughout was really helpful for me. Um, just to like ground myself physically and also when I'm kind of looking around the room and opening drawers and looking for things, I always had that image of that flannel. It was like, I need to see that one thing and I couldn't see it. And so when she finally brings it, it's like, okay, here it is, thank mm -hmm. God. Like, so just the significance of that and like the symbolism behind it was really helpful for me to just have something really quick to think about when I'm in that moment so that I'm not thinking about like a million things and trying to like drum up mm -hmm. any emotional. It's just like, I need to see that flannel right now. That's great. Now, let me ask you both about shooting the pool scene. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I have so many questions. I'm going to I'm going to say all of them and then you just yeah. you just talk about however you want. I mean, how many times are you shooting on a road? Do you have to get fully dry again? Are you like blow drying your hair? Like, well, how much that's got to take so much time. Do you have a stunt double? Like, how are you worried about it? Like, how are you doing the underwater camera stuff? Like, there's a lot that goes into something like that. So illuminate us because yeah, that feels like a very advanced scene to be shooting for you know a, it, that goes beyond what you would what you would think to see in a student film and i'll just add that i have like this pelican plastic cover for my cell phone that i bring on vacation and just trying to get a photo of my family underwater took like an hour and a half so, so very impressed <laughs> yeah a lot um went into it it was actually a crazy process so we shot at an airbnb and it was um when did we shoot? It was like December. It was like December or something. Yeah. Whoa. So and for Perfect Arizona, temperature freezing. for a swim. Yeah, and so we get to the Airbnb and we feel the water and it is frigid and we're like, there's just no way. Like there's just no way we can go under that. And my cinematographer too. I was like, because she was the one who was gonna have to be underwater the whole time. Oh, basically. Wow, I forgot about that. You're not yeah. just yeah. dropping the camera down. With no, the no, shy. Yeah. There's a person <laughs> attached to there's it. A person. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we basically um, waited to shoot the entire pool scene until like January when we got back from Christmas break because um, one of my friends had a heated pool. Mm. So we're like, perfect. Um, but basically, during the whole time, we were dunking Isabella in the shower and like drenching her <laughs> with like bowls of water. Like throughout the scene, we were just like, you got to stay wet. You got to stay wet because um, we couldn't get her in the pool. Oh. So she was just going like in and out of showers. We had spray bottles spraying her hair Movie down. Movie magic. Yeah. So because, okay, because yeah. the scenes that you're shooting when she comes out of the pool mm -hmm. or at the Airbnb, the, yes. the original location, but yes. the underwater sequence. Was at an entirely different pool in another location. Yeah. Wow. Could have fooled, fooled me. Yeah. Wow. You did I, fool me. That, 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 <laughs> that's great. That, yeah. That blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's another element. Wait, wait, I had one oh, more question oh, about go it. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, is it scary to have to shoot something underwater? I feel like I would be very nervous. You know, it was hard because... 
sometimes you just don't get a big enough breath so you mm -hmm. can't stay under and do it all in one take. But like we had plenty of time and that was the great thing about doing it in the heated pool compared to like, mm -hmm. if we were getting in that cold pool, it was gonna be one and done, you know? Yeah. So we would just keep trying and they were very patient, which I really appreciated. So if things got messed up, like we would just try it again and keep getting different shots. That's so, great. Yeah. That's cool. So I wanna know about the windows. I feel like there's this, so many beautiful shots through this big open window or mm -hmm. windows in the, in the, in the Airbnb, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, that, that just seemed like a theme that came out to me. Is there symbolism there? It was, what was your purpose in using those windows? Yeah, so um, my cinematographer, Tatum Saylor, she's great. But we, when we went and scouted the house originally, we saw um, all these windows and she very much kind of likes doing dirty frames, which is kind of putting something in the frame that kind of like draws your eye to it. Um, and so like, it's not like a perfect kind of square. And so that kind of brought up the idea of like shooting something like within a frame within a frame. Mm -hmm. And so the windows kind of gave us a border and it kind of created this more like enclosed space. We wanted it to, to feel very, um, closed, I guess. Like we wanted them to be in this space together, but still for some reason, like they're not together. Like there's a distance between them, but they can't leave the house. And so the windows kind of gave that um, closed frame opportunity, but also allowing there to be like the open space outside of them where people, where like there's this world outside, but mm -hmm. they're kind of stuck in here. Um, and so that was kind of the theme of the windows. And then they just happened to kind of like just be beautiful and kind of helped with the scene. So, yeah. I have an unrelated follow-up question related to grief. But do you want to ask a question for No, me? Okay. go ahead. So <laughs> Becky and I had a big debate about the end of the film. Okay. Because, oh, yeah. Because at the Thank end you. of the film, and, and also we're Jews, and Jewish oh, more. I'm Jewish. You're Jewish too? Yeah. That's amazing. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So I don't know how much you've delved into Jewish mourning traditions, but mm -hmm. we have very detailed mourning traditions. And we have the shiva, and we have the yeah. way you sit, and like all this stuff. And it's... and. Right or wrong, it's a structure that we, we mm -hmm. follow. And that structure is meant to like guide you through processes, uh, guide you through moments in grief and like give you something. And so we were, we were debating as to where they were in their process. Uh, um, were they, was it, were they holding on too long or was it actually the mother in particular recognizing something that Isabella was conveying, which was that we're not out of the mourning period where we hold on mm -hmm. and we have to get through that period in or there's no shortcuts in yeah. grief. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, that was, and we were trying to debate where were they in the path? Mm -hmm. Where were they? In and the what process? message were you sending with that ending? Yeah. Um, it's definitely the second one that you said. Uh, um, it's very much the mother, like you said, there are no sh short shortcuts in grief. And it was the mother kind of trying to get past it throw everything on, keep moving, because she was trying to be like the stable figure um, in her family's life. But what she wasn't realizing is that like Isabella, her daughter, or the, the character, whatever, <laughs> um, wasn't ready to move on yet and was still very much in that process of grief. Um, and in the time frame, it was kind of like they went on, it was, was like two or three months have passed since his death was kind of the time frame I'm thinking. Okay, yeah. got it. So got it. she's still very much in it. And it mm -hmm. kind of takes and her to get her mom out of like, you can't move past this that quick. It's really interesting 
back to the Jewish stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know why, I mean, mm-hmm. is that when you get past the Shiva, yeah. there are different rituals for spouses and for kids. Mm-hmm. And the grief period is actually longer for kids than for parents in terms of like our traditions. Yeah. So it, in this really beautiful way, I feel like you also captured something that historically is like part of memory yeah. in the world mm-hmm. is beautiful. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, so cool. Um, Oh, okay. Yes. Now when I, I, I'm oh, sorry. Now no? I have a TFTV question. No, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, uh, I'm TFTV, so TFTV. This extremely TF, sad no, movie. TF, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, we're very excited to be talking about this. Sad movie. <laughs> TFTV, Isabella. Uh, one of the amazing, unique things we've learned at, while becoming part of the University of Arizona family for the last couple of years is that TFTV, the school of theater, film, and television. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I am diagnosed with, like, mind-crippling ADD, so... Um, Telefilm and theater vision? Yes. Yeah, don't, don't confuse me. Um, I'm the worst. Uh, is that it integrates both acting, theater, and filmmakers, directors, production. Um, this is, like, the perfect marriage of those two and meeting you in person and seeing the collaboration. What a great resource each of you have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Isabella, could you talk about the experience of acting in this film, but with someone who's also been going through this integrated learning community process here at the university? Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Like the connection is just incredible. Like earlier this year, we had a class for us as, um, acting and musical theater sophomores where we were paired with the directing students in film. So they directed us in scenes. So we've been making like a lot of connections, um, but they've been, I mean, they're always looking for actors and we love getting new material to work on. So it's not like LA where you're not like networking all the time being like, I hope that person in the directing program <laughs> sees my reel. No, I mean, we love working <laughs> with them and they're, they're, so there's more crossover than just for one particular film that you might be in. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. that's so cool. I didn't realize that. So had you two worked together before this film? I No, no. I actually worked with her roommate last yeah. year. Oh. Yeah. So then how did you end up casting Isabella? So we went through a whole audition process, and they came in, and like several theater students came in and kind of did the whole audition. Um and she just came in with like the most like natural talent. Like she just was able to capture that visceral experience of grief without like saying much, just with how she reacted. For our listeners, these are the two shiniest, smiliest yeah, people I, know. I have ever met. Like rays of sun over <laughs> here sitting with us. What a way to start right. the yeah. day. Made us um, so sad. Speaking of the fact that you are actually in, in real life, which shows what a great actor and what a great director you are, mm-hmm. these you know, seemingly optimistic or shiny, you know, glowing people. Um, let can we talk a little bit about the funny side yeah. of of TV and life? Because yeah. what we found out about uh, Chloe is that you actually have uh, you have a hankering for for sketch comedy and mm-hmm. comedy and SNL, and that's like your that's that's your like go to. Yeah. So we have a few signature games we play on our show. Okay. Um, the primary one being buy rent. Is that what we're doing? We're yeah. doing a buy rent man. Sure, we're doing, um, we do uh, a game called buy rent or Matt. Now oh, we're going to have to explain what buying and okay. renting are. Okay. So <laughs> right, when we, we're... when we were 
your age. <laughs> we had something called video stores uh-huh. where you could go and you could rent a tape, a videotape. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Does this yes. ring a bell? You've like yes. heard the legends of Blockbuster, <laughs> right? So in our day, if you were to buy something, that was a huge commitment. I mm-hmm. mean, you're going to buy a VHS tape. That's a lot of money, and you got to resource that. There's no Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Or you could rent it. You just take it for a day or two. You know, test it out. No big commitment. Watch it once. Watch it once. And then meh. And meh is not necessarily negative. That's more of like... um. It can be a negative. You can meh something, but you could also be like, meh, not my cup of tea. Meh, haven't heard of it. You know, because mm-hmm. we don't we don't like to so we don't like to be too negative. So here. we'll give you three things, and you gotta rank them. Okay. Buy, rent, or meh. Okay. But again, meh isn't necessarily the last place because we love all things. Okay. <laughs> and I'm gonna go deep cut. Gonna have fun with the intergenerational conversation here. And I'm going to name three movies that were born out of SNL sketches. Okay. Okay. And if you haven't seen these sketches yet, that then makes, now you know what your homework will be. And, Perfect. And that also makes the bit funnier. Because okay. I can, if you said I haven't seen it, I'll pitch it to you. And you, okay. and then we'll pitch it to you. And, and then you'll tell us, like, which ones you would go. Okay. Isabella, are you a big SNL fan? Not really. Oh, this no, is going to be even great. more. This is no, 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 no. I'm going to do theater. But... I'm going to do theater with Isabel. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll do, we're going to we'll do, do, do a we'll theater. We'll do a different one. category for you. Because I'm. I'll, we're yeah. we're going to have some fun there too. All right. Club. But you can jump in on this if you want. Okay. Okay. Buy Renter Man. Okay. Wayne's World. Have you heard oh, of it? Oh yes. Okay. All right. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Okay. Oh. Wayne's World. All right. See. There we go. Okay. This one though. Young cinephile. Now we're going. Now now we're going even further. Okay. Like. We, I was born, Becky wasn't born, long time ago. Okay. The Blues Brothers, okay? Do you know what that one is? No. So in the earliest days of SNL, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd mm-hmm. created these characters called Jake and Elwood Blues, mm-hmm. and they were criminals slash fronters of a blues band. Okay. And <laughs> they made a movie version of this where they break out of prison and they go on a so-called mission from God to save the orphanage that they were raised in. <laughs> and it's an excuse for them to basically bring in, it's a comedy, an adventure kind of road trip comedy, mm-hmm. where they bring in all the band members from the SNL band and at the time, this was from a long time yeah. ago, except for one or two, and all these famous musicians, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, mm. are all in it. And it's essentially a musical comedy made by these SNL geniuses. Yeah. And then John Belushi died. Um, uh, <laughs> He's shy. Let's just throw that out. And then here's the one more that came out when we were teenagers, but it's from that era as well. It's called Coneheads. All right. Oh yes. You know what hey, I'm talking about. Cones. That's I Dan Aykroyd with the yeah, cones. That, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, buy renter man Wayne's World, Blues Brothers and Coneheads. Um, I'd probably. Oh, you have to tell us why too. Okay. <laughs> That's the most fun part. Okay. Um, I'd rent Blues Brothers. That's what it's called. Okay, mm-hmm. I'd rent that because. Based off your pitch, it seems pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And amazing cameos. Yeah. And I love John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Um, and also just Animal House. I'll just watch anything John oh, Belushi. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. so great. this is after he was a megastar with Animal okay, House. Okay, so this was after This Animal is House. the movie that he got okay. like that he made as his star vehicle because it was his yeah. creation. Okay, then I would definitely rent that one. And then I'd buy Wayne's World. 
Um, just because it's a classic. Like, I just think anytime you watch it, mm-hmm. you're going to have fun, and yeah. it's just funny. I saw mm-hmm. it in the theater when it came out. Did you really? And, and it was yeah. the summer right before summer camp. <laughs> and it was the biggest, I mean, every it was kid, the we just thing. talked yeah. like Wayne and Garth all summer. Yeah. It's the best. I remember my dad showed me that, and I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So, um, yeah, my dad showed me a lot of movies I probably shouldn't have seen when I was younger, that's, like something about you know, marriage. It makes sense why you ended up yeah, in film school. That's my entire yeah. parenting yeah, approach. I do the oh, same no, thing I think with my it's kids. great. I think it's great. Do like, I'm so happy my dad, like, he showed me the raunchiest movie <laughs> when my brother and I were like, I was probably like seven. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how funny it's raunchy. I love it because I just, I think that's where my love for comedy came. I didn't understand any of it, but I thought it was hilarious. That's <laughs> great. Um, All right. And then Coneheads Meh. Yeah. Okay, um, Coneheads fine. is a meh, by the way. It's not that it's not bad. It's just like meh. It is, yeah. it is a meh that, movie. That is the perfect use of meh. <laughs> it's a great sketch, but it's yes, a, I, I will say it has a cool soundtrack. It was a, the 90s oh, yeah. was a time for great movie soundtracks. The, like, I agree. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Isabella. All right. All right. I, I know what's going to be on your okay. list, but I'm, gonna, <laughs> oh, I'm really excited to see what theater... You're what theater shine? So I'm just yeah. gonna I'm gonna tell you my three favorite plays that have been on Broadway. Okay. Okay. Because again, Evil Dead the Musical, which is probably my favorite, has not <laughs> has made it made it to off Broadway. Not hasn't made it yet. Um, One day. That one's amazing, <laughs> but it hasn't made it. Um, the uh, so Les Misérables, which I just saw with my kids. A lot of tears at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, American Idiot, which is Green Day's, mm-hmm. you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Yes. Okay. And Cats. The green I've seen all of these multiple times. I'm not going to give the... Oh, you're not going to I'm not going to give away. We'll talk after. We'll talk after. Okay. We can do a, like maybe an off off the record chat because our audience is going to... Our audience is going <laughs> to start to revolt if we keep talking about one particular <laughs> property. Okay, so... Okay. Cats is not my personal favorite. <laughs> that is going to get a meh from me. It's, okay. it's okay. I've never been into it. That's I, fine. We'll explain to you later why, you, why you're wrong, but that's okay. okay. Keep going. We're yeah. like, a, I, I'm especially a Cats super fan. Like, I even love the movie. Did you like the movie? Wow. I, we took yeah. Becky's wow. kids and my kids my, recently. My daughter it. now cosplays as Mistopheles, as the magical <laughs> Mr. Mistopheles. She's five. She sat on wow. my lap for half of the, it was me. Okay. I'll see it so, every time. Up, but that's fine. We understand it's a reasonable response. I think Les Mis would be a rent for me. Oh. I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of high school productions of Les Mis that oh, were not my personal hard. favorite. I'm switching out American Idiot for Rent. Now that you said Rent, oh. I'm like, Rent is the right one I should have yeah. put in. Rent is I by love... 100%. Oh, okay. I absolutely love Rent. I've seen it like three or four times. Yeah. Like, I adore that show. That's one of my favorite yeah. musicals of all time, probably. But Les Mis, you're medium. See, I think Les Mis is the greatest of all time. It's just so epic and amazing. But when True. you get to the second act, I'm always like, there's a lot of yodeling and not a lot of songs <laughs> When do the songs but, come back? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's a long show. It's one of the longest. I, yeah. I think it's hard to keep it pushing all the way through. Like, but it's worth mm -hmm. seeing one day a really really high-end production. Go see it on Broadway one day. It's not there anymore. No, but one day. They'll bring it back. back. They'll bring bring it back. back. It always comes back around. Now I'm going to turn the questioning on you all. We've got a couple more minutes and we're having so much fun. (laughs) Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. So, we like to get to know people by asking mm-hmm. them movie questions. So we've asked you, yeah. Meh, uh, what's a question 
you, either of you would act to like get to know someone's movie taste, to like see if they were like, so like one question I always love to ask people is what's your favorite music moment in a movie? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's the use of music, the score, a song, a musical scene, whatever. But do you have a question where that helps you get to know someone as a lover of film? That's such a good question. Yeah, I guess I'm always thinking, not always thinking from an acting perspective, but obviously that's like mm-hmm. what I'm looking out for in movies. So I don't know. There's and, we'll, and by the way, we'll answer it if you want <laughs> with no preparation. You, know what? you go ahead. You interview us now. We've yeah. been working let's, hard. Let's ask them. Yeah, I mean, I just always think of like great acting performances that really like caught people off guard or maybe they weren't mm-hmm. expecting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you Ooh. all. The oh, one that pops oh, into oh, my head. I know what you're going to say. You know what I'm going to say? Punch Drunk Love. Oh. Uh, Catches you off guard. I only saw it recently, oh, though. So, so, I, and, and oh. I already knew he was known for it. Oh, okay. So I would say when, when, when Punch Drunk came out. Mm-hmm. No one had seen it. When others. I was in film school and I was in college and mm-hmm. Punch Drunk came out, going to see it, and it was the first time Adam Sandler had done a dramatic role. And that really caught me off guard. I was like, this is incredible. He's yeah. incredible. This is incredible. So that's, that's one that always stands out for me as a performance that just blew me away and I wasn't expecting. So for me, and there's so many, but the one that jumped into my head was the f- not, not the first time, although the first time is what led to the second time, but in general, the first and second time I ever saw Christoph Waltz act. And he is the lead Nazi in Inglorious Bastards. But it was really when he was in Django Unchained that oh, I walked yeah. out. Not a lot of people I knew had seen the movie because it was so heavy. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of that movie and I said, that guy is winning Best Supporting Actor yeah. for this movie. And we did an Oscar pool at work and I was the only one that picked him. And I won because oh of Oh, my God. Wow. The other moment I had like that, now that I'm thinking about it, was when we, we I'm pretty sure it was mm-hmm. us, went to see, like our family, mm-hmm. went to see Training Day. And I walked oh, out of that yeah. and I said, yeah. just... Let's just pencil in Denzel Washington for yeah. the Oscar. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is, Denzel Washington. It's so the overwhelmingly time, yeah. amazing, and yeah, yeah, I think he's the greatest just, ever. Yeah. Um, so those those are my answers. We did see that as a man. All right, do you want to answer the question though, since you have such a good question? Well, I know this <laughs> is this is television, not film. That's fine. Yeah, we watch. We like it. I, believe me, we watch a watch lot. Watch a of lot of shows, and we talk a lot about TV on this show. <laughs> yeah, but Big Little Lies is just one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and Meryl Streep in that second season. I just mm-hmm. remember being like wow, I've never seen her. I don't know. It it just caught me off guard for some reason. That's amazing, though. How great is Meryl Streep that a late career thing is inspiring a young actor? You're not like Sophie's Choice and uh, the one with Dustin Hoffman. Kramer Kramer versus Kramer, Kramer, right? You're like... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Drop it in a Meryl Streep TV. And her her characterization just... I don't know. It was just, it was, it, I, it left a strong impression on me. It's incredible. I yeah. love that answer. Love what about that. yourself? That's a good answer. Um, I'm going to go like a different, I'm going to go the new Top Gun Maverick. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, like that was, I know everybody says Tom Cruise kind of plays the same roles and whatever. And like, I feel like a lot of people think that I like, I've heard people say like he acts kind of the same, like he's playing the same character. But I think he did so phenomenal did. in this film. Okay. Of just, he's an incredible. I, agree. I mean, I think he's an incredible actor, and I've been obsessed he's with him. in every. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Tropic Great Thunder. Movie. Yeah, um, Rain Man. 
another great movie. Like yeah. he's, I think he's so good in all of them. And uh, Days of Thunder. Days, yeah, Days. What was Legends? Not Legends of the Fall. No. Far and Away. Have no, you ever seen that? The one with him and Nicole Kidman. No, Far and that Away. But the, what's his first film before Days of Thunder? Oh, Legend. Legend. That's what I said. No, no, I said Legend. Legend. Oh. Have you ever Legend. seen this one? No. Okay, oh Ridley Scott directed okay. the guy who did Alien. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So this is an '80s fantasy, like Lord of the Rings type movie. Okay. Where it's an all synthesizer soundtrack, and there's like <laughs> goblins and ghouls. A lot of like practical puppets. And, oh, okay. and, and a demon played by Tim Curry, who mm -hmm. was in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that one is nightmare fuel for a little kid, but it was marketed as a kids movie. When oh, we was kids. it really? But it wasn't for kids. I mean, I mean, it was the '80s. It was the so '80s. It's hard to <laughs> say. <laughs> So Tom, I, I love that yeah. Tom Cruise yeah. and Top Gun Maverick, and yeah. I, I saw that movie three times. In I the did theater. too. I we my family we went and saw it four days in a row. I kid oh you not. God. We saw it four days in a you row. You saw it two. We were obsessed. Saw it three times in one week. I, think. I saw it three yeah. times in one week. Wow. We were. Yeah. I I just thought it was so good, and especially because I'm a fan of the original. That's yeah. like been one of my favorite movies. So coming back to this has been. It's great. better than the original, yeah. right? I mean, I think it's I, better than the. I original. think it's better. I think it's a much better movie. I agree. Uh, I, I must say I watched Top Gun Maverick first. I hadn't seen oh, the original. Really? My, oh. my kids haven't seen the original. So I was a little oh, underwhelmed so when I went back to the original. To the original. I understand it's that. Good. It's you get the key moments of the original in the flashback. Yeah. You yeah. do. You do. The, <laughs> also the stakes in the original make virtually no sense. Oh, I agree. Whereas in the These new, make more sense? Yeah. yeah. A rogue nation has a, a weapon, nation. you gotta go under the red. And enough. you gotta go and you gotta have a dog fight and then yeah. you gotta go up at the G forces and <laughs> we're going Mach, and we're going Mach 10 now. Everyone's going Mach 10 everywhere they go. Which one of us? I don't know if it was Becky or Lily when we were doing Top Gun Maverick mm -hmm. for the podcast, or we, it was like they made up that mock thing. That's not a thing. I was like, there's no way. Why are we all acting like we know what Mach I'm one like, is? And, and, yeah. I'm and I'm Becky, no that's what this how they means. count the speed. But like. But what is it? Okay, you know what? We should wrap up. All right, Ed. we're gonna we'll, wrap we'll, up. We'll with, talk about. We're this gonna wrap later. up with this. Um, Chloe Peso, it yes. is amazing to have you here. Thank Where you. can people follow you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Chloe Peso. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'm on there. Or you can follow our unconditional film on Instagram. That's great. That's great. We're posting on there. So, yeah. Awesome. Isabella Russo, where can people follow you? Do you want people to follow you? Sure. I'm also on Instagram. It's Isabella with three L's instead of just two. Ah, mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank and you. we're so Thanks. excited for the festival. I dream in widescreen mm -hmm. tomorrow or today, depending yeah. on when you're listening to this. <laughs> but we're recording this the day before. And congratulations. Congratulations. Thank, thank you so much. Mazel tov. Yeah, mazel tov. <laughs>
And where where we want to start and where we started the interview was this theme of persistence and trying. Mm-hmm. And uh, that experience that kids go through. Beck, I know this is something that rang really true for you. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, using the story of a of this of this young kid who's been defeated in a match and is deciding whether or not to continue training for a new match. I think it's a really great way of just showing the kind of pressures young people are are under and the choices that we all have to make and deciding do you want to do something because you love it or do you want to do something because you're being told to do it or you kind of have to do it right. and and then all that aside having the grit having that grit to go after something and to get back up even when you've been beaten even when it's really really hard that's one of the things we were talking about before and and Miles you were talking about where that that is mm-hmm. how that draws from a personal space for you of, of being a boxer yourself yeah yeah so for me when it came to writing the script it was more about getting up and trying again doing things even when you're scared not just when you're brave enough mm-hmm. to do it um, and I, fi- I find that that's, that's a, a lot of the situations you find yourself in life when you're um, about to do something, there's stakes you know, at hand. You're, you're scared usually doing it. It's not just when you built up that courage. You know? So I find that's where I wanted to put the character where he had to do something, has to do something really hard, um, even though he's really afraid to do it. So that's where we find our main character, yeah. Um, uh- I mean, it it all comes across so well. And Kayla, we were also speaking with you about, um, as the producer of the film, bringing each of those elements together so that it's not just an exciting and dynamic film, but it feels really authentic. And could you tell us a bit about how you put it together? So when me and Miles decided to create this film, um, so I'm also a screenwriter as well, so producer screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we when we started uh, doing this film, I told Miles, I said, do something you love and what's something you can really put out to be very, you know, very relatable. And he said, you know, I like boxing. I was like, at first he wanted to do something out of high school. I was like, okay, that's too complex. I was like, let's talk about boxing. And I kind of told Miles a little bit backstory about my sports athletics type. And I said, this character really speaks to me and probably other students who are athletes as well, that yes, it gets hard, but it's like, am I doing it for myself? Am I doing it for others? Like, what am I trying to achieve here? And I guess the one quote I can say is that when I was going through the rough, like the character in the story, my dad used to tell me when I played sports, he said, um, in order to run, you must first learn how to walk. And I didn't understand that quote ever since I was a kid, but now I'm like, oh, I get it. I was going through so much, but not just taking a step back and do it for yourself. So when we created the story and putting it together, I said, Miles, this is going to be amazing. And once we executed it, I was just mind blown, especially the sound effects and everything. I was just so proud. I was like, wowza. So So Kayla, as a producer and screenwriter, um, (laughs) I, 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 I'm noticing as you're talking about this, you know, you, the, it's a leadership position. Yes. You're giving feedback to an artist saying, oh, that's too complex, but that's how we get to the vision. What's your leadership strategy working with the core team, you and Miles and the creative visionaries, but then the whole, uh, the whole collection of people like in the boxing gym and the crew and everything like that. I suspect you have to be the glue and... What's your approach? What's your philosophy? So as everyone knows about me, um, I have a way with words. And a little thing about me is that I'm very encouraging. I am the number one person when it comes to support or a person to lean on. And when I told all my actors when they're going through so much, especially trying to get their scripts greenlit, I told them every single time, I said, you're doing amazing and that you can do it. And I said that you don't have to prove to anyone that you are enough and that 
when you finish this, you're going to look back and say, wow, I did it. And being there for them and telling them, like, we can organize this. And especially when they're stressing out and, you know, that type of time, it's like, whoo, good Lord. But I said, you know what? We're going to take this on together. I said, let's take things piece by piece. And I said, if we want to execute it, what type of strategy should we figure this out? And even though, especially Miles, when he was stressing out, I said, Miles, let's take a deep breath. Which is interesting because Miles mm -hmm. seems like the most relaxed oh, yeah. I've ever Very met. Very calm. It Very calm. Yeah, I try. I try. I try. I'll try. I'll try. It's true. It's true. We got stories, but I try. <laughs> but it's true. So once we kind of organized that, and I was really coming to terms, and um, really being a very support system, I think that's the biggest thing is being a leader is being a support system. I think when people are going through the lowest of lows and their highs of highs, they need that one little push of encouragement or that little step further to go beyond them. And you know, I feel like just during this entire, you know process of making the script, I feel like maybe I pushed a couple buttons to get Miles to really execute a couple things, but at the same time, really, he just blossomed, and I think I can say that for all my directors, saying that at the end of the day, they are just amazing, and that, you know, we, we go together, we grow up together, you know, so we kind of like peanut butter and jelly. I love that. Yep. I love it. Okay. Uh, uh, all right, Miles, we got to talk, we got to talk action. Yeah. We got to talk sound effects, fight choreography, yeah. the yeah. fact that you're standing in the shadows of some of the greatest movies ever made in the boxing yeah. world, and you took that on. Kayla, awesome. You took that on. You ran to it, it sounds like. You yeah, said, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, run to do this. <laughs> let's, let's go towards one of the hardest and, things and, to do, and, then, and we're going to do it. And then mm -hmm. executed really something well. that, that really gave the audience a visceral experience. How do you take that from mm. design to execution to mm. then that moment where you have fans being like, oh, yeah. I felt that punch. Mm -hmm. Well, first, it, for me, it started with homework. So uh, with those other films you were mentioning, I had to watch everything from Rockies to Creed, um, from what happened, like from the historical standpoint and what's going on now. What are we used to seeing right now? And so that's how I started. And then after that, I just took that and just started writing. And when it came to the fight sequences, I, I was pretty detailed with them from my personal experience. This is amazing to me that you, because, okay, I read Harry Potter books. Uh. Right? I still don't understand a single action scene that was written out in those books <laughs> until I saw the movies. Uh -huh. But it sounds like you really crafted something that people could, mm -hmm. that jumps off the page. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Well, well, I hope so because um, our um, stunt coordinator, Evan Hunt, he just took it and he brought it to life with me. Um, and with our DP, Caleb Uera, like that team, the three of us, we were able to get into the gym with uh, actors and um, just really work something out. And it's so amazing to me because basically it's, it almost came out like, like just like how I pictured it, you know? That's amazing. So, well, I have to say as an audience, uh, as an audience member watching it, my note that I have is I feel like I'm boxing. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's how it's. But felt. I don't think Becky's yeah. ever boxed because <laughs> I'm boxing and I usually, after a minute and a half, want to throw up because yeah, I'm up. so tired. No, I mean boxing without moving. But it was the, <laughs> it was the dynamic moves of the camera of, of the camera. It was it was the way that you're you're always in motion when you're mm. in the ring, and that coupled with the wonderful sound design and sound editing um, mm. that went that went into those scenes in particular, um, they they're very alive. Mm -hmm. You know, you are there in the moment with these characters. Mm -hmm. So that that's not an easy thing to achieve. Mm -hmm. And and let's talk about casting. 
Ooh. All right. Yeah. So you have to get people who can act, and they, there's so many beautiful character scenes between mm-hmm. the main character and the grandpa. Um, but then people have to also buy the fights. Like, you're not going to put... I'm not a good actor or a good fighter, so you're not going to put me in this movie anyway. <laughs> but Kayla, let's start as the producer. How are you putting together that cast? Uh, Miles, uh, I'd love to hear about your role in that as well. So when we did the casting, I when we were deciding how to do this, I told Miles at first, I was like, let's get some actors. But then I thought about it, and I was like, Miles, I don't think it's going to... It's going to take some time to teach somebody how to box. Especially <laughs> Miles was like, I don't think I want to teach anybody how to box either. <laughs> So um, we kind of went out our way to start searching for actual boxers, um, which was actually kind of easy when we started doing the locations, uh, location scouting, uh, because the gyms actually had boxing students. Um, and so we put their age range, and I said, could you give us like a bio of how about them, maybe a real video? And we got a couple really, wow, really good ones. Great. And we came across one of our actors. Oh my God, I hope I don't butcher his name. Please tell me his name. Israel Harris. Israel Harris. <laughs> I love him. Um, and I always butcher it every time I talk to him. I was like, I'm so sorry. Um, but he was amazing. And once we got our actors, we're all boxers. And the grandfather was, I believe, a former professor. So, so yeah, um, Michael Ings. Uh, he's a former professor and um, Buffalo Soldier reenactor. Yes. Local wow. Tucson. Um, I had worked with him on some previous projects at my job. Um, and I was just like, all right, I, I, I kind of want to see what he can do with the script. <laughs> and so um, that worked out. And then we put him and Israel together. And then they were great together. Oh, my yeah. God. Uh-huh. Just really great. That, 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 was fan- that was fantastic. Okay. You, you know, you talked about Rocky. I got, I got mm-hmm. check my hypothesis. <laughs> Rocky three inspired the end scene. Absolutely. <laughs> now, here's my follow up to that. Because uh-huh. this movie strikes me. I, you know, shorts come in different ways. Some are beginning, middle, end. Mm. And some of them, I feel like, are proof of concept. This is like advertisement for a franchise. I, like, what happens in the next moment? Will we uh, ever know? Or is it going to be like in, in Creed where no one ever reveals, you know, even years later exactly who won that fight? I'm going to go with option B. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so, no, I love that. That's a great question because... I want it to be more so like, you don't know what happens, but let's say we did have a sequel, right? Mm -hmm. There's a jump in time. And we see this character is blossoming from where he was before. Has challenges to face, as always, but definitely has jumped up from where he was before. So no, I love I love that question. Is he still a boxer or has his facing his fears in boxer as a boxer helped him go off in some other direction mm. and and be better at facing fears in general? Mm-hmm. Both. So he's still a boxer, but all that everything that he's learned from this, it, it goes in that every time. Like I feel like I mean I think for every person, whatever they face, whether it's something in your job, any type of challenge, there's a piece of you that's afraid. Mm. But some people have a way of handling it where it's like it's it's either fun, they like the the energy mm-hmm. that comes from that. And I feel like that's what we might see this character turn into. How are you two students? <laughs> I don't understand. You're so smart. You're so eloquent. And, and everything from the themes of this film to one, how you just talk the, about your, your roles in one, making it. I, one of our list of questions, we're doing a faculty roundtable later, oh is to ask what they learn from the students. Because I'm learning so like, from I, you two right now. I can answer the question now. I'm going to answer the question. <laughs> we'll be answering. We don't, we'll start that off by answering the question <laughs> first, and then we'll kick it to the, <laughs> to the rest of the faculty. All right. Let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. 
so on Friday Night Movie, we play our signature games. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, I love how much Kayla's down. I'm, I'm always excited for saying Miles knows this. Miles, uh-huh. face your fear on this one. All right. All right. So we play a game. It's called Buy, Rent, Meh. So mm. It's a ranking system. So in the olden days when there were video stores, if you were really, really into a movie, you bought it. That was like $50 like and Black you had the Buster. VHS. I mean, yeah, yeah like, like I bought Titanic. Time, that was a really yeah. big deal. You, you, most of the time you rented it. Uh, that was yeah. Friday nights, me and my brother's blockbuster. There, yeah. there you go. That was so me. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm See, going fr- there. By the way, that's the origin of Friday Night Movie. The name comes from the fact that we went to the movies every, every week Friday with our night. parents. Yeah. Every Friday uh-huh. night. Um, so, and then Meh is, is not really the last place, because we don't really believe in the last place because we love movies, but it's whatever you want it to be. Meh can be a lot of different things. Uh-huh. I feel like I haven't seen it. I'm not interested, you know, uh-huh. not or, my cup of tea. I don't like the actor who. I don't right, like the, right. you know. Okay. Or, what do you mean in Rocky Five? There's no actual fight and <laughs> ring at the end of the movie, oh. man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so three boxing movies. Oh. All right, we have. I mean, this was so hard. We argued over what went <laughs> right. in this. So three boxing movies. You have Raging Bull, Creed, and Girl Fight. Oh, you can both answer. Yeah, you're, you're, both, you're both, both invited to answer. Um, Miles needs time to jump in. Just the only rule is you got to tell us why you answered. And the first, wait, the, the list is... Raging okay, Bull. so Raging Bull, Creed, and Girl Fight's a bit of a deep cut. That's like a... Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez's much, first her, big movie. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez's first movie. It's a real indie film. and Yes. So... I understand. I'm trying to think of like the rating. So it's the rating. For the record, I wanted to put Digstown in there. I don't know if you've ever seen Digstown. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, Digstown. That's my deep I've I've never even heard of it. Are you kidding me? Never heard of it. Gossett Jr., James Woods, Oliver Platt, Bruce Dern, Heather Graham, Tex Cobb. What year was this made? All right. So um, (laughs) buy is like your top. (laughs) And then rent. Rent, And then then, meh. Okay. I'm I'm ready. Can I go first? You can go. Okay. You have to tell us why, though. Uh, oh, 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 okay. Um, I think it was Girl, is it Girl Fight? Girl, Girl Fight. Fine. Oh, my God. So when I saw Girl Fight, I was probably, God, I don't remember. I was probably 14 watching oh, that film. Nice. So I was really hyped about that film. I just thought, like, oh, my God, this girl is badass. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I really wanted to be a boxer at that point. Like, I really wanted to fight. I told my dad, I was like, teach me how to do one-twos like her. Like, <laughs> it was great. So I would definitely buy that one. Creed is definitely a rent. I mean, I love Michael B. Jordan. I mean, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. But, I, like, at the same time, it's like, it's... It's not something I grew up with. It's not something I can really attach myself to. And the man would probably be the other one. Raging Bull. Raging Bull. Don't don't be mad. Don't be mad. No, no, don't be mad. I love I love great. I, I love, love it. undoing the That's what we I mean, we, that's why we bring on Yes. No, I think it's great. Good answers. I love a hot take is the best. Sorry, Miles. <laughs> oh, no. Is Miles going to have to break the rules because he oh, can't answer? <laughs> I don't have a hot take. It's You picked really good movies. So yeah, I, we, uh, we want it to be yeah. as the difficult point, as possible. The point is to make it excruciating. <laughs> Girl fight first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, Do you know who directed Girl fight? I don't remember who directed Girl fight. Um, I don't know who directed But in the other one, we're talking Scorsese and Kugler, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're putting those Kugler two directors against each other. They're just awesome. Right. Okay. So, okay. Nobody get mad at me for this one, but I'm going to go meh for Creed for the reason that I've oh. seen it about 100,000 times. Okay. That's oh, a great okay. reason. That's See, a that's, great, a that's a great use of meh. A perfect use. That is like meh. a new use of meh that we you have. You had me in the first half. You had me in the first half. Right. I love it. Like, I've, I've seen it, like, I've watched it 
watched it. I love it. You studied mm -hmm. it. I'm one more watch away from memorizing lines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one of my favorite movies, actually. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what's the... The Rent and Buy. Okay, Rent. I'm going to say Girl Fight because mm -hmm. I've watched it. And I remember I watched it a couple times because my sister had to do a school project on it when she was in high school. Smart. Um, so, I mean, and I love Michelle Rodriguez, so. <laughs> nice. And then I'm gonna say By Raging Bull, just because, I mean, it's the first of many. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, it is, it is a so I had to, I I had to love go it. with it. Reverse, uh, reverse mm -hmm. options. Okay, so what is what are your favorite boxing movies of all time? What is the, or what is the best boxing movie of all time? Mine actually is Diggstown. That is my favorite boxing really? movie. Because it's a little bit boxing. It's a little bit Ocean's Eleven. It's, it, or not Ocean's Eleven, but it's got a heist con artist theme to it. It's got amazing acting. It moves at a different pace than the typical mm. fighter gets, gets introduced, loses, trains, wins. Uh -huh. Because Diggstown is, is all about these con men going to a town and taking this very old boxer played uh -huh. by Lou Gossett Jr. to do a fight where he will fight 10 men from the town all in one night uh, mm -hmm. for a certain amount of money. And it's That's wild. Awesome. That's awesome. You want to go first? No, you go first. Oh, okay. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I did not actually grow up watching boxing films. I grew up watching martial arts. Okay. Bruce oh, Lee. Well, um, great. We'll take that. Literally all of the kung fu fighting films, mm -hmm. like the Deadly Seven, like I've uh -huh. I've been watching mm -hmm. all of those. So when it comes to boxing, I'm thinking like Bruce Lee or that's, like, that's cool. I Bruce Lee was like my guy. That's a good twist on the that. answer. That's a great answer. And um, you know, I, I think I watch a lot of Muhammad Ali like um, documentaries and definitely all the Rockies. Like I've been watching Rockies with my dad, but it's definitely it's been the mix with martial art movies yeah. and Rocky right. films, but I've been gravitated to more martial arts that I did not even get a chance to watch more boxing. And yeah. you probably watch more boxing yeah. than me. I mean, no, we kind of talked about that before. Like even before we decided we were going to do a boxing film, like we talked about like watching Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lee films and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yes. All right, Miles, you've, you've stalled long All enough. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> favorite. No, I, I love Creed three. Like, oh, okay, I okay. Yeah. Dude, that was excellent. So, um, with so Michael B. Jordan's approach to directing that, it was it, I love the fact that he took inspiration from other anim, uh, from anime series. Oh, and I'm such an anime fan. Like the way he was sort of slowing things down and going yeah. wild, yeah. dropping uh -huh. out the background. Is right. that what you're yeah. that and about? certain shot angles? There's two shots that I dang near ran out the theater screen because mm. <laughs> there's one shot. There's a gut punch. Straight from Dragon Ball Z. Wow. I saw nice. it. I saw And then there's another shot um, between um, uh, the two of them in the ring, and that's straight from Naruto. And I I cried. I, I dang near cried because oh, I was just wow. like, oh, my gosh. I love that. It's a great answer. Like, how do you pitch, okay, I'm going to coordinate fight scenes, but it's Inspired by something that was drawn. No, yeah. So it's so like, yeah, right. was, yeah so I was just like, I was well, so I excited. mean, you corner fight scenes based on something that was written, so maybe there you got True. a lot in common with Mr. Jordan. Just, just imagine <laughs> you're in the writing room and just trying to get that, man. Well, I'll get too excited. <laughs> Kayla and Miles, congratulations uh -huh. on writing such a fantastic film that will be at iDream and widescreen. Miles Gordon, director, Kayla Williams. 
writer, uh, co-writer, producer. Kayla Hines. Kayla Hines. Did I say no. Kayla Williams? <laughs> Kayla Williams is someone I worked with at my day <laughs> job. Hilarious. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Kayla anyways, Hines. Kayla Hines. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. For your patience. So there'll be a little jump cut in my edit, maybe. Or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Kayla Hines, thank you so much. Congratulations on being here uh, at the festival and for such a great film. Where can people follow you if you want them to follow you? Yes. So I have a website called Kayla Productions, and I also have a Instagram called Kayla Productions, and there's like an underscore. So you can just keep up with me through that. Awesome. Uh, for me, I'm very active on Instagram, so you can follow me at jred underscore Gordon, J-Y-R-E-D underscore Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. Um, and yeah, we got that website coming out soon. Oh, All wonderful. Right. Well, thank you so much thank for being you. here. Thank you, thank you so much us. for being part of the family. Thank, thank you. Thank you. To be a part of the family. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast's very special series that we're doing from the University of Arizona's School of Theater, Film, and Television, FTF-TV. I have the hardest time. It's the tongue twister for me. On the eve of I Dream in Widescreen, the film festival that is celebrating all of the graduates of this amazing program. But who are we talking to now? Not the graduates. We are talking to the professors. And one of the coolest parts about this program that we've been talking about is that this isn't just a film school. This isn't just a theater school. This is a really integrated experience. So we have with us. Um, I want to get all the names and positions right because this is four people. It's a lot of people. We have with us Jacob Bricka, head of the film and television production. Uh, great to have you here. Thank you very much. Oh, that's so weird. You're standing to my right, but you just came in my headphones on the left. <laughs> that was bizarre. Um, Lizanne Schuyler also works in film and television production program. Hi. And Hank Stratton, the head of acting. That's me. And Kevin Black, acting voice slash movement and screen acting. I just have one question. Yes. So is that voice movement, like the movement of voices or voice and movement are together in the same piece or you're just like a model slash actor, a voice slash movement acting expert? How much time do we have? <laughs> we, 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 honestly, what I'm really just getting at is how is my radio voice and could oh. I make it as a voice actor? Oh, so you're looking for the grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really all. Yeah. Mostly interesting. Uh, it's, so far, it's A+. Plus. Okay. You're thanks. really good. <laughs> You've been Thank doing this for a while. So. Thank, well, we have we have a few hundred hours of practice. Yeah. How many do we, 10,000 we have to get I to? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> that's right. 10, so, and then you'll be experts. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to get all of your wisdom, but to be honest, we just spent uh, uh, an hour and a half with some of your amazing students, and we had this light bulb when we were talking to the first pair, when we were talking to Chloe and Isabella, that we said, oh, wait, we know what the first question for all mm -hmm. of the professors is. What is one thing that you've learned from these incredible students here at the university? Who wants to go first? my God. Because we learned more in I, an hour and I, a half you can name than, a than, well, I never went to film school, but I learned I, more. I mean, about film, about life, about anything. Uh, just I mean, effective ambition. I mean, or... I'd prefer if like if one of them taught you how to play hacky sack, less interesting. <laughs> but... I want to know that. No, but I also want to know, like, yeah. what are the cool kids doing these days? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, as being engaging with these incredible people um, and visionaries are um, 
Like, what are you learning, even though you're the professors? I'm going to actually take this because this feeds into or evidences the theme of why we're all sitting here. When I came in 2016, one of the things that I noticed was that we were doing a very good job of training actors for the theater, but we were a little behind the eight ball in training actors for on-camera work, which is the majority of what they are going to be doing when they graduate. One of the things that I learned from our students is that I had that right, that they are asking for more experience on camera, uh, that we all uh, can agree in this room that good acting is good acting, and the basics and the fundamentals of physical theater and rich language is something that we can never surrender. But we can translate that into on-camera work very easily with an adjustment of energy and adjustment of focus and providing them with an opportunity, which is what we're doing as we collaborate with our cool. our colleagues over in film and television. And I feel like Lizanne, oh no, Jacob and Lizanne are about, Lizanne was like about I to, I was watching her movement well, and voice. Yeah, <laughs> so, so Kevin and I came here from Los Angeles in 2005 and Kevin came to theater and I came to film. And we both, I'm a filmmaker, he's a director and an actor, and we were very much shaped by um, like the spirit of the 90s, you know, uh, independent film, Jim Darby. Uh, you know, that's, Lee, I mean, Jim that's Darvish, our, that's you know, what, yeah. we were And one thing I was on. really noticing was um, particularly like what was coming out of SUNY Purchase and that you had Hal Hartley, you know, Adrian Shelley, Edie Falco, Nick mm -hmm. Gomez, like people just really collaborating together. And so we came here and everyone was separate. You know, there was this realization that film school is more than teaching and it's more than where you put the camera and what the line is and what the lighting is and where the actors are looking. It is about creating a community. And so I think that is something that has, we, I think we've all worked towards and has kind of really made this, this program special. And I think it's, I say it as a lesson because I think it is something every day we're, we're affirmed that when we see them in the hall, when we're looking at that 18th cut, you know, we're always <laughs> feeling We We feel it because they all worked in each other's And they're yeah. so joyful. The yes. collaborations between them are sincere. Yeah, this is They've not the... They clearly built real friendships. This and, is not that image of a bunch of kids walking around in, like, berets. No. Making, the, <laughs> no. making that film that Jim Morrison makes in the doors, you know, when he's in film school. <laughs> oh, oh, we have a lot, a little. Oh, oh, okay. Little, okay. okay. Uh, Jacob. I, I learn, uh, I uh, mean... Also, I just got to say it for a minute. Peabody nominated Jacob Bricka. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, with, with uh, my fellow uh, filmmakers of that, Lisa, Lisa Malamont and Jeff Bemis. Um, I learned to be really flexible about um, technology. So our students are almost always the ones to introduce me to new apps or new ways of doing things or um, any of that. And they, they are, tend to be very you know, flexible and ambitious that way. Um, so for instance, we have one of the films this year which is created with a lot of AI art um, and that film was previously going to you know, be a completely animated thing inside of Unreal Engine. That didn't go too well. <laughs> um, but it was, I mean, the whole process was one of, of just you know, sincere exploration, which, which we did help manage, uh, but which we were all sort of in it together. And that is sort of how, that was the, that's, that's Jason Lee's uh, The Wizard No More. And so that's always interesting. We're always sort of on the journey with them um, in one respect or another. And sometimes it's about, you know, I, I've gotten more flexible with, okay, I don't know how to do something. I don't need to go get a textbook for it. I'm going to, you know, like you're going to figure it out pretty quickly. And sometimes I can, you know, take their knowledge and then I will take that and learn it and, and, you know, make sure that the next, the next class has some of that. So that, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Nice. All right, Kevin. So, I mean, I think one of the things we're trying to do here is because we're, we're kind of all under one roof 
uh, is offer opportunities for collaboration between in front of the camera and behind the camera. And so the kids come up together. Um, and uh, what happens quite naturally, and I think you saw that in the, in the interviews, is um, the, the relationships get you know, really solid and really deep between the actors and the filmmakers. And they, uh, they start collaborating from day one. And so they're really, really eager to work together. And they, they sort of egg each other on. And they find ways to continue working together. And then ideally what happens is that sort of launches out into, um, into the industry. So there's this, you know, I, again, ideally what's happening is there's this sort of seamless transition from here out to there. And that collaboration that they're doing continues on for as long as it gives them joy. And, um, and so I think that's one of the great things that we're able to offer is that sort of because we're all in the same house, we all, uh, all the students come up together. So I, I absolutely love that. And I, I want to say completely reflected in meeting the students that there is this sincere collaboration, that they're coming up together through this program. So you're pulling it off. It's working. Um, okay, another question. It's my first day in each one of your classes. What's the first thing you're going to show me? What's the first piece of film, TV, art, media, theater that you're going to expose me to? If it's the editing class, it might be the first or the second one. But there's a there's an important lesson to learn about editing, um, which is that some of the things that you might think are the most important are can be the least important. So continuity, for instance, from one shot to another. And this is I'm I'm not the first one to show this clip, but there and it's not the only clip that one could show. Um, and it is kind of an old one. But there's a scene um, from Goodfellas, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, between Joe Pesci and Ray Liotta, which, if you look at it carefully, is an absolute mess for continuity. <laughs> it, you know, in one in one shot, Ray Liotta has his cigarette up by his mouth, and the next one, he's got a drink in his hand. Right as you cut back and forth between shot and reverse shot, and it is only a shot reverse shot. Like it's just cutting between two mediums. That's it, <laughs> the entire scene. But the scene is so beautifully acted and has such interesting, uh, subtle rhythms and builds in such an organic way and is so absolutely compelling to watch that uh, you, you just completely overlook it. And so I will show them the, the I will sort of trick them into, into watching it for a different purpose. Mm. Um, sort of like, oh, we're, okay, you know, let's, let's notice some of the rhythms and such. And then I will say, now let's look at it for continuity. Mm, <laughs> and, I love that. And then so you, and cool. they're like, it's, it's as if they're seeing something that like they just had a magic trick played on them, right? That's the kind of trick that any editor and any filmmaker is trying to play on their audience. You, you are, you know, you are somehow inducing a state of, of sort of mesmerization, you know, or uh, and of illusion of, of of a continuous experience when, of course, it's made up from lots of discontinuous experiences. So that's one that I might show. My, my mind great. was just blown also because I went down a YouTube rabbit hole about Joe Pesci last night, and I was I was. Is this just because we had that one little conversation about my cousin Vinny? And then you. I mean, I think about my cousin Vinny every day. So this is like the know. third time Marissa Tomei has come up in the last <laughs> twenty-four hours for me. I don't know what's going on. It is in the ether. Hank, your first movie. Yeah, um, uh, I have uh, editing, in, acting. Oh, this is so exciting. In the in the first day of my class, I have fidelity to this exercise. I divide them into groups of four, and I ask them to choose an actual real life event from one of their lives, and I have that group of four tell that same story as if it happened to them. And the reason that I do this is, first of all, they don't know each other yet, so they don't actually know whether or not the events are real or, or not. 
Um, but I, I want to introduce the idea that we are inhabiting imaginary circumstances right off the bat and that we are all storytellers. That's simply all we are. Whether we're a filmmaker, an editor, a writer, or an actor, or a designer, we're all storytellers. It's really fun. It's super really, fun. That's and really it's very fun. bonding. I think as I'm well. actually going to borrow that for some like it's yours. activity. Becky yeah. and I also moonlight as facilitators, and so we like stealing it. I'm going to borrow that one. We call that a modality. We steal a good, I'm gonna, a good modality. I'm going to borrow that modality. Uh, if your student in my class, your first class, uh, will be me teaching you a sun salute. Oh, nice. That's how we start off. That's everybody, beautiful. is that everybody, a yoga thing? Yeah, it's like some yoga. People yeah, do, yeah, some people are like, oh, I know that, and that's great. Now you may have but given me an A before, but this is where I'm getting my There's a There's a learning curve here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Those are the years we lived in Los Angeles. Right, yeah, right. I love exactly. that. We did yoga before it was trendy. I did, yeah. Yeah, and so, and, and it's a great, it's a, it's a great sort of uh, icebreaker. It gets everybody doing the same thing at the same time. It gets people who, you know, Particularly when you're coming in, uh, uh, you know, your first day of classes as a young actor, you're looking around, you're like, how am I stacking up against everybody mm -hmm. else? And something about the sun salute just sort of lets that drop away. And you're just, you're just working. And you're, you're moving through a series of, of breaths and positions, and you can start to focus on, on the work at hand rather than, you know, gee, who's that over there? And, uh, mm -hmm. How am I uh, looking in comparison? So it's a it's a it's a great way to like physically just begin your work. That's my, it's a nice equalizer, yeah. right? Putting everyone the same on side. the floor. Yeah, on the floor. <laughs> no. So I teach uh, screenwriting mostly. I teach directing, and um, I also teach um, the pre-internship class. So what I'm showing every every first class is different, but in my screenwriting class, I'm always beginning with, I want to know what they want to learn, what they think they know about writing, what they want to learn about writing. And then I write it all down, you know, and then at the end of the class, we go through all those topics. Like we talked about, you wanted to work on dialogue. We talked about how to get over writer's block, you know, and all those different things. But what I'm showing is always changing because I might be at a film festival and I'm pulling something I just saw, you know, okay. back in the day, I used to like have to like get the DVD and now it's just so easy to share each other's work. Uh, and I'm also looking for things that do two things. One, respond to the work they're doing. So when I'm teaching the senior thesis class, I've read their scripts all summer. So what are the films that are going to inspire them? You know, what are the films that are going to give them, you know, a reference point or help push that script further? And then, um, and and with a, and then sorry, in the other class. Um, oh yeah, and then the other thing. Sorry. The, uh, I know it's a podcast, <laughs> you can edit that. Uh, and, uh, and the other thing I'm always looking to do is because our program has grown so much, particularly over the past 10, you know, 15 years, I'm really looking where can I show work made by our, our alum. Oh, so, of course. Yeah, so one film I am really loving showing right now uh, because it was produced by my former student, Christina O, oh, uh, who took the screenwriting class. I'm really, it's wonderful to be able to take, the, take a film like Minari, which is so elegant and oh, beautiful wow. and hits every emotional note, but in a completely unconventional and lyrical way and have them look at a film like that and analyze it and where it's working, where are those turns, you know, what, what does that shot of the dad's face mean? And then know that, like, that this was produced by someone that went to their program. That's so we're looking, incredible. Yeah, so we're looking That's to model, to inspire, to model, and to and be, res be personally responsive. Yeah. Just for a second thing, I might also, I'm usually trying to find a way to uh, capture 
cuts at various points in time uh, and to save them uh, because then I can maybe use them like that they're working on for the thesis or whatever. Because for instance, this year, um, Miles Gordon's film, um, which I think you- Rematch. The, re the rematch. Yeah. Which we yeah. Love. yeah, we love that. So that that film, uh, you know, despite a, a pretty good script, did have a, a scene between the, the uh, grandson and the grandfather in which some of the, you know, some of the words are, are a bit, um, uh, it is a bit wordy, a little, a little much, right? Um, and in the editing, in the course of sort of, uh, you know, workshopping it and thinking about it, he, you know, I kept encouraging him to think about how to, how to get subtext to play a bigger role. And so if you look at the first, you know, one of the first cuts of that film versus how it ends up, it's just so much more interesting um, because the the lead character just just says one, you know, he gives one little speech and instead of, of, the, of the next two lines being about the thing he just said, the grandfather just looks at him. He just looks at him with sort of like a quizzical look and then he has to look back. Why are you looking at me? And then, and 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 it plays just as a, as a silent question, and and it all plays as subtext, you know, right? And you sort of skip over the obvious stuff, and you go right to someone, right? You 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 insinuate that they know each other well enough that that like they know what what each other is thinking, right? And so you're responding to the thing that wasn't said as opposed to the thing that was said. So sometimes those sort of asynchronous things that you can find in editing, if you haven't found them yet, in you know, in the you've 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 done that in some part. Of your script, and, but another part you've maybe overwritten it a little bit. Those are things that I love to show, where it's like, look, look, look what happened last year. Here's where this scene started. Here's where it ended up. Why is it more interesting this way? And and this and this is something that I teach in my acting class because I teach the stillness. It's not about what you're saying. It's what about your. It's about what you're not saying. So Jacob, you're teaching my acting class. I yes. love that. Clearly, there's a lot of crossover, <laughs> it's so and it's so brilliant to use what the students are working on to show that progress. It's yeah. Okay. Well, this is this is just kind of amazing because to see the parallels here yeah. uh, and how you know we're, we're we are teaching very much the same skills. One of the exercises I do uh, with my students is have them put together a scenario and actually write it out and sort of script it out, and it lasts maybe two minutes, and then I say, okay, let's cut it down, and we keep cutting it down and we keep cutting it down until the scene is one word and one gesture per actor. My mind is blown so, right now. So, and why don't yeah. we should be doing this more often? We need to yeah. get together and talk about what <laughs> everyone's that's doing. That's in another their, modality. I'm like taking another that modality, modality number two. I'm loving all this. Um, the thing that just blew me away by that, I want to take it in this direction for a second, is and and we just spoke to the team that made Deserted with, with Ryan and Babs, who are just mm -hmm. the best nickname ever. Uh, limitations, space, saying more with less. Is there some kind of magic about having less resources, being constrained that and, and, and learning to embrace that that makes better art? And it's kind of a philosophical question. I, I feel like I'm more and more believing that as I've as I'm growing. It, it's on one of my home pages um, and it's Orson Welles, I believe, and I'm about to probably bastardize the quote, but it's something to the effect of the uh, uh, the absence of obstacle is the enemy of art. And some some directors said that to me on a commercial shoot one day, you know, like talking when I was asking for stuff and he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, come on, you're 
Procter and Gamble, you've got stuff. And he was like, he gave me that quote. And I, I had actually stopped, it hit me between the eyes. But I will try to take, like Kevin said, we will try to take things away. We will try to strip them down in order for them to connect with their inner life and to solve, to solve the problem in another way, other than propping them up with a prop or, or a set or something like that. That's really cool. Although you bring up an interesting topic. Um, I think for actor training and, and absolutely so that they can experience the, the immediacy of live performance, uh, yeah, uh, less is more. Um, gear, however, is kind of important. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love so gear. Doing, when, we're, when, we're, when we're moving over to, uh, to filmmaking, it's, it's such a gear heavy endeavor. And so um, I actually like gear, and I'm hoping that we're going to get more <laughs> rather well, than rather than you know the obstacles of well we got this small little dark room and a tiny you know camera phone and and we'll just we'll make great art from that you can but it's it's great to have or you have to you learn know. to shoot with natural light yeah. <laughs> you just learn to shoot outdoors right <laughs> but exactly. yeah but it's, it's but, but it's, it's yeah we're looking forward to I uh, understand to uh, um, nice uh, nice equipment. <laughs> We, yeah, we have we uh, the, the 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 students have what they need to to you know to make the films they want to make. Yeah. I think uh, you know, of course, there are some other tools that we'd like to have, but um, I, I do find that that's true in terms of constraints. Um, and we do a lot of location shooting here, which I think gives them a, a really interesting experience of having to think about uh, production design and locations in a um, in a way that, uh, I don't know, where they're having to sort of interface with the real world rather than trying to create it all from scratch. And We heard some great stories of problem solving on location. We heard in... Um, in Deserted, in, in the rematch. And in... And in oh, and, and in... in um, and in um, Unconditional. In Unconditional. All, all three of them on their locations had to do some really smart problem solving. And to hear these young people who are cutting their teeth, really becoming filmmakers, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what happens. Nothing goes the way you plan. You get to the location. The pool is too cold. You can't now. You can't shoot in the pool. Some guy's in your shot when you're rock climbing. Now you got to find a different shot. And I'm like, this is it. This is exactly what happens. And so, it, yeah, it was just very exciting to hear that they were smart and capable. Nobody seemed to have sacrificed anything, you know, in their film. And they found a way around it and working as a team. And then also sometimes what you can accomplish with sound purely, <laughs> right? With everything that is off screen. Um, it's yeah. always, it's always, it, it still amazes me every time, you know, like when I'm, cause I'm counseling them, you know, look, you don't, you haven't really done the Foley here. This is gonna, this is gonna play differently, right? Once you do that. But then once they actually do it, even I'm surprised, like, <laughs> I, I, cause you don't know exactly how it's gonna turn out. So there's a really funny example of that in Zach Richardson's uh, The Rise of Ronnie, which is a oh. little, mm -hmm. it's a little mockumentary yep. about yeah, a guy yeah. who has talking to ambitions okay. beyond his abilities in terms of, <laughs> of, of how he's going to be able to, you know, be uh, a great boxing star. And he has lined up a fight with someone who's clearly, uh, you know, 20 times better than him. And he has now realized that this is true. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so he walks up into the ring in his little sneakers <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it, and it played okay. But then once they did, the, once they actually did the Foley, you started noticing the cadence of his footsteps and you started noticing oh, that it was wow. kind of a trudge towards, towards, towards a, 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 a doom, <laughs> right? Oh, and so you see him, you see him go up these three steps into the ring and it plays more like a funeral march <laughs> than it did before because you're actually feeling the, the, again, the rhythm of those steps in a way that visually alone you did not, you know, so. That's great. That's 
wild. And I, wow. And that movie is done in that mockumentary style and you don't, it almost feels, it feels so natural. It's like seamless that it's in it for the final, when you see the final product. Lizanne. I, I think just to go back to the economy and resources, I think that's one of the most important things we can teach them because it's not like you get out in the real world and you know, every budget level is never feels like it's enough. Like I've worked in projects, a range of budgets, you know, everything from scrappy to like fairly well-funded and it's always a crush for time. And so training them to really think about deadlines and think about economy, not just where you can shoot and what your gear looks like, but also the time that you have, because that's about being a professional and going out mm -hmm. and going out to work, particularly now. So, you know, particularly now where everything moves so quickly, budgets are shrinking, Absolutely. You know, algorithms are driving everything. So it's it's really that that uh, emphasis on resources, I think, is one of the best trainings that we can you know, offer them. So algorithms makes me think about how in the 90s, I don't I mean, they a little bit had algorithms and market research as evidenced in the like reality bites. Right. That the tension, even though. I always root for Ben Stiller in that movie. Uh, why doesn't she like the guy with the job? All he was trying to do was help her. Anyways. Uh, Speaking of the we, 90s. Yeah. yeah, we can debate that. We can debate that. Episode. So uh, I, I love that that independent spirit of the 90s is alive in you all. Do you have a particular property, whether it's an actor or performance or uh, or a thing from that era that, it inspires you. It doesn't even have to be inspires your teaching. Like, just that you dig. Our audience loves to just know what you're into. Okay, I need Lisanne's help for this. What was this Steve Buscemi film where he was trying to make? Living in Oblivion. There you go. Oh. <laughs> love that movie. I love Rented movie. it at the Blockbuster just because Steve Buscemi was cool in the 90s, yeah. and I would see anything he was in, and I love that movie. So I was at the premiere of that at, uh, I can't remember what festival it was, and Tom got up and he was like, after the film, we're going to have therapy for the filmmakers. <laughs> and recently I showed that to my screenwriting class, and I actually they were genuinely horrified. <laughs> oh, I love um, that. But yeah, but sorry, that was one of your... No, when you're inspiration. Absolutely. It's a, a, he asked, what, what's the film from the 90s that you remember the best? And that's... I love, I love that that's choice. Great. It makes that's me so happy that that so movie... It encapsulates the whole you know, effort to make a film. Oh, sorry. Oh. It, it sort of encapsulates the whole effort to make a film you know, with, with, uh, with, with not a lot of backup. And the different cuts, because you're seeing four different movies within a movie in that movie. Each is, each each version of the each cycle of that movie is another version of what the movie might be like. So that's a cool movie. There, there's so many. There's there's you know there's you're Mor only allowed one. No, there's I mean Morgan, there's Morgan Freeman from the '90s. Yeah. There's, oh. there's just Morgan the, Freeman. The, just Morgan Freeman as the category. I mean, I love it. The, the beginning, middle, and an end, yeah. right? But when I think of the '90s, I think of I, please don't don't ridicule me, but I think of defending your life. Oh, which oh, I like. One of, I think is metaphysical that genius. That's another that. one of my favorite movies. We have I definitely dug into times. that. I think oh. I recently rewatched the that, whole concept of of your life being about fear and taking chances. Also, do you know how many times I say to my wife when she goes out to the supermarket, I want nine pies, nine pies, because he orders nine pies and they're announcing any so embarrassed. Oh, love that movie. So good. Albert Brooks. Whew. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, my career started in the 90s, so I did a, I, I did a TV movie that actually Lisanne used as one of her, as yeah, that's also on her fun. syllabus. Yeah, when, we could, when you can show work by your incredible colleagues, which I'm sitting next Wait, to. which movie? Um, so so I so in, in fall, I taught for the first time in aesthetics class. And so one of the themes I wanted to pull is, was like, you know, 
let's look at this story and then let's look at, the, look at this story in a totally different way. And so um, one of my favorite 90, well, I'm, I'm Gus Van Zandt going back to the 80s mm -hmm. is one of my favorite mm -hmm. filmmakers and ties in quite nicely because of his use of sound and right. the outsider characters and the independent mm -hmm. aspect. And so I'd love to die for um, because in that oh, film, as he's doing Bob Fosse, cool you know? Yeah. And, then, uh, and then when I came here and got to meet Hank and realized a little Googling that Hank had been in the TV version of that film. Um, so the movie <gasps> ripped from the headline. With Helen yeah. Hunt and with Hank Helen Stratton. Hunt. But, the, but here's okay. the best part. Here's the best part. It was Helen Hunt and Hank. Right, because it's ripped uh, from the headlines, right? Yeah, rip, right. The ripped from the headlines at CBS, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. But the best part, it was Joyce Chopra who directed it. So it's like a kind of indie spectrum. You know, it's yeah. Joyce uh. against Gus, basically. So we showed oh. clips from both and, you know, talked about sort of different, you know, different styles. And then Hank came in and just dazzled them with um, movie star magic. <laughs> That's so cool. You know. But getting back, I guess Joyce is a great segue just to... Um, um, I don't know if I cut you off. No, you but, didn't at all. But I think for me, of all the 90s, like for me, the game-changing moment was Alison Anders and Gas Food Lodging. You know, I was coming up as a young filmmaker. Then I made the one doc and gone all over to festivals. And and there was Alison and her feature film and just how poised and amazing it was. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's you go back to that moment and you realize, like, that's a moment of change. And now mm -hmm. we're in this incredible moment of change. And it's exciting that our students can be part, you know, part of that. That's, That's really wonderful. Cool. All Jacob. right, Jacob, take us she, home. Didn't didn't we have what did we have Allison here for? Yeah. Was she here as a as a as a jury member? What was she here for? She she. she Allison, we, we love the, oh. We, we love that Allison loves Tucson, and we love Allison. So yeah, Allison came with um, a couple of films. Um, she's shown at the Loft. And I, she came with, I'm trying to remember, there was a series at Center for Creative Photography um, where they were, it was road movie felt themes. And so I can't remember which of, she, I, I actually think she was presenting, oh God, she showed, not Border Radio, what, what, it was Border Radio. She showed her first film, um, her first feature, Border Radio. Right, so she came, she came and showed a, a few films and talked to our students. Um, <clears throat> so I, I will talk about a film that I showed recently. I teach a documentary history class, or I'm one of the people who teaches it. Becky's already excited. We she have a lot of, we, and we, we do a lot of uh, documentary here. So I have to go back to the 80s, uh, because I still put in my syllabus what is the one film that just totally changed my life and blew my mind, which was Koyaanisqatsi of 1983. <laughs> um, I, I'm not familiar. I thought you were going to say Pumping Iron, the one about Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, so this is a film uh, made by this kind of uh, very, you know, uh, a guy from an unusual background for a filmmaker, Godfrey Reggio. He, he went on to make two other, sort of a, a trilogy of film, the Katsi trilogy, um, each of which was uh, presented by, uh, like, um, Koyanis Katsi was presented by Francis Ford Coppola, not... Um, and Nakoi Katsi was presented by George Lucas, and his third one was presented by Steven Soderbergh. Um, Whoa. Uh, oh, I, I mixed those up. Pawakatsi and then Nakoi Katsi was the third one. Anyways, this is a, it's sort of the, uh, an original sort of montage film. So it's, there are no actors, there are no, well, it's a documentary. There are no uh, main characters, there's no dialogue. It's just a, 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 an original score with uh, images for, you know, 83 It's minutes. an incredible score. Yeah, and it's the first score that uh, Philip Glass did as a as a composer. The very very first one. He's gone on to. If you look at his IMDb, there are you know dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens. Most of them for documentaries, and he became sort of Errol Morris. The if you watch an Errol Morris film, that's what you associate with it. You associate the Philip Glass score. Well, the first person who thought to tap Philip Glass as a composer was Godfrey Reggio. And there's a great story about how he had the film, and he uh, he went to Reggio, and Reggio wasn't interested. Right? He contacted. 
attracted to him. And he was already, a, you know, unknown. He was a minimalist composer in New York City. Um, he was known, but not known for doing anything with movies. And he and Glass uh, Glass was un, uninterested in talking with him. But he showed up, and his assistant said, you know, look, this guy's going to stick around until you meet with him. You might as well get it over with. And so they went and had a meeting, and he showed him a 40-minute excerpt of what he had cut already. And he showed it to him twice, once with a once with with music that he had of of Glass's own music, and then once with some other electronic score, and that's what sort of sold him on it. Anyways, it's an incredible film, and uh, it's the film that when I was a teenager, I saw on VHS uh, in a classroom once, and I just like it. It, it I, like I, I basically it meant the next decade of my life I was trying to make my own Koyana Scotsy. Oh, <laughs> um, and and these days, it's a, the film plays incredibly differently because this film was shot in the early '80s, and you know the themes of it are diff are you know of the time, and yet I am so impressed that a, at least half of my students come out of that film saying that was amazing, and you know they have a different experience than I did, and yet it's one that still resonates somehow. So. Anyways, it's an ex a hell of an experience of a film. Wonderful. That's really cool. All right, are we ready? Should we play some games, or do you have more? I know uh, Becky loves having this film. No, 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 no. I mean, I do, I do. I'll make them stay after we we finish recording. That's fine. <laughs> um, um, uh, no, we can. Let's play some games. Come on, let's play okay. some games. All right. So we have. Uh, we don't have. You know, we don't have to even explain the rules to this because you know the different. Like when it comes to movies, buy, rent. Right, buying or renting movies. That's what we did in the movie right. stores. You, rem right. you remember, oh, yeah. you remember so, going to rent movies? So we have three, the effort that took. So we have three categories. Not the financial investment of buying. We have three category. We have three categories in our rankings. There's buy, rent, and then meh. And meh, <laughs> meh can be used for however you want to use it. As the third ranking. Yeah, category. the third ranking. But it's not last. It's just the third ranking. So it's almost like they're. Horizontal. Uh, Miles used it amazingly creatively. Mm -hmm. I won't give away how he used it, but he, he used it in a brilliant way for when we did this for him. And so we're going to give you a, a group of films, or, or uh, a group of films, or no, did I blow this? Do we have, yeah, a group of films? Maybe not. Yes? yes. I'm looking at the notes, so I'm wondering what's in your head. Okay, all right. I don't see it in the we're notes. We're going to go with a group of films, okay? And they're going, and, and we're going to ask you to rank, force rank these. Now, these films are films with famous, inspiring teachers in them, okay? So, because you're famous, inspiring teachers. And, and so, um, you, whatever the criteria you give the ranking... That's cool. Just you got to explain it, I don't and you can come at it however you want. All right. So, so our famous, our, our inspiring teacher category. Yeah. Three so, films. Yeah. So we've got Robin Williams and Dead Poets Society. That's your first option. I'm gonna. Can I pick the second? Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Second one is gonna be Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. That's yeah. a good one. Come on, that's like. Um, and then that's night. That's also night. That's pretty cool. Then. And 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 one that comes to my mind if you're if you're, I mean. Hold on a second. Does everyone here know the movie The Freshman? No. no. Okay. Blank Marlon stairs. Yes. Yeah, with Marlon Brando and Matthew Broderick. Okay, forget it. We'll come back to that. I just I thought no. I, that was a deep, deep cut. Okay, then I'm, is, I'm turning this in my mind. We're giving I'm you time to think about it. This is your to a quiz because I'm waiting for a title from you. Oh. I have a title in mind and I'm waiting. Okay, well, we're only allowed to pick three. We're so. Three. so we have. That's the last one, right? Dead Poets so, Friday. We have. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Stand and Deliver with Edward James Olmos. Okay, uh, that wasn't the answer. Apple pie upside down. That wasn't the answer I was okay. looking for. Okay, what were you looking for? Sir with love. 
Oh, to yeah. start with love. That's an that's inspiring feature. Sure, but mom used to make me watch. Yeah, that. that's more that. like Becky's more the classic. I'm I gonna go with one. more. Can was I it on TV? <laughs> <laughs> and could I watch it many times? That's usually if I'm. I could watch To Start With Love many times. I watched that many times. Okay. A lot of sick days. So all this is stalling. So you can come up with your answers and your reasons. So is anyone ready to go? So first? is the freshman in it? Or no, 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 it's not. We're doing I just the freshman has a whole subplot of the film school teacher though, where he. He's showing him the Godfather, and Marlon Brando's in the right, movie, right. and Fleber is the name of the of the of the teacher. But I don't remember the name of the actor. But he's a, just delightfully hilarious character actor. I remember the, the stories around that film more than the film. Were there so stories around that film? Yeah. yeah. He just read the whole thing. Oh, Brando read yeah. the. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he just he. It's a very funny. It's weird. Anyways. So what are the, the okay, so we're doing Dead, Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Robin Williams and yep. Dead Poets Society, Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds, and... And, and, and Edward James and Olmos in Stand and Deliver. Okay. Edward Olmos in... So buy it, rent it, or meh. Well, Wait, you, so is no, Lou Jack and Phillips the student in that? Yes. Oh, he's so young. we got to fix that. your cable, though, because it's, it? it's loosening. Um, Lou Diamond yeah, Williams is, is the student. Edward James Olmos is the teacher. Right. And you can pick the teacher, you can pick the movie, you can pick the editing, whatever. You just got to rank these. Right now. No, don't worry. Like, the, the, oh, wow. the directors won't find out. I promise none of them listening. Why don't we just none of them are listening to this Pick the most inspiring teacher. Okay, you can pick the most inspiring teacher. I'm just giving, I'm giving a lot I'm of... trying to give a lot of latitude. I'm giving maybe too, ma too much latitude. I think you're giving, too, giving many too many options. options. Who's the most inspiring teacher? There's no teacher constraints. There's no way. Those three. In those three. Of those three. Which teacher are you buying? Which teacher are you renting? And which teacher are you may? I really I, liked Edward James almost. And, and that, that, that's, a, that's an inspiring teacher. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go with that one, too, only because I got to meet him once. I was ah. editing. I edited a film, and he did some of the voiceover for it. And I was the one who was, because the directors weren't in town, I was, and I was in L.A., I was the one who was tapped to go to his office and actually record him saying these few lines that we were going to stick in the film. And uh, he was just as interesting in person as he was on the screen. Oh, so cool. that's awesome. Yeah, so I, I'm going to... Buy, stand, and deliver because I think it was also a watershed moment in casting and amplifying underrepresented voices. Very cool. Um, I'm going to rent Goodwill Hunting because it's just. You know, it's no. not in there. We're doing Dead Poets. Dead Poets Society. Oh, shit. I was just Dead thinking, like, I'm just thinking, like, Hank's following the instructions best. He's giving us all the rankings. No, 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 and no, no, now no. he's just throwing I, an extra Robin Williams. I, I went to the wrong. I went wrong to the wrong. How about Patch Adams while we're at it? No. <laughs> Bicentennial Man. <laughs> Mr. Holland's Opus. I'm renting that, Mr. Holland's Opus. That was, that was almost my choice, and then I went to Stand and Deliver. De Dead Poets Society, because it's good fun. Yes. You know, and, and yeah. who doesn't like that? And, um... And oh. and with no disrespect to Michelle Pfeiffer, because you know uh, the, the fabulous Baker Boys. I mean, is there, it's untouchable. But I'm gonna meh on that, just because it it doesn't hold up to the other two quite in this right, moment. Right. Even with the Coolio song, it does. Even with the Coolio song. I love that I went to. Although Goodwill we could Hunting. have also put in. You know, I'm thinking about. All right. I mean, I've you're so thinking. Many, I've so Robin many Williams inspiring teachers. Now I'm thinking about. I'm thinking two. of. I'm now. I'm, I'm thinking of Mark Harmon in summer school. No. Also. Oh, that's a good one. But what about Whoopi Goldberg's Sister Act Two? 
Yeah, that's good. That's a great one. That's, that's, that's all right. That's a good one. Well, she's, they teach the kids. They're the choir teachers for the kids for like Lauren yeah, Hill. That's why she's back in she, the habit. She's that's back in the habit to teach the kids choir, and then they have to perform with the kids. So... Okay, one, buy them all because um, we all know that Rocky, you know, the original DVD Rocky sold for God only knows what, the auction. So pop culture, you're like, you mm-hmm. know, collect it, own it, have it, you know, oh. if you can. Two, um, um, if you could like own Abbott Elementary, I'm obsessed with that I, show, obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. But thirdly, I'm having a hard time answering the question because all I'm thinking about is writers right now, you know, in, in, solidar- in solidarity with the strike and movies about writers and how, you know, and, and highlighting them, so... I can't okay. think. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I love fun. a rule breaker. Lily yeah, a loves rule. In spirit, how I got in here. spirit of my sister, you're just breaking the rules. I yeah. love it. Giving us finding my sister's on the picket line right now. Forrester's a writing moment. Mm. Yeah. A writing movie. That's uh, yeah, Sean I'm Connery. Making a li- right. Okay, I'm gonna add that to my list. Mm-hmm. It's not a great movie. Oh, by the way. Is it? Again, Sean Connery's not gonna hear this podcast, so <laughs> not worried about hurting his feelings. It's another writing movie. Uh, the one about. Uh, Love Actually. No, oh. the Stephen King one, the, the thriller <laughs> where he gets his misery. misery. Yeah. Yeah. A writing movie. Not a teacher movie, but a writing but movie. But a writing movie. <laughs> oh, screenwriting movies. Ah, okay. But a writing movie. I think it. Oh, adaptation? Oh, no, it's, uh, adaptation. We're just, oh, we're just adaptation. naming movies. We love this. Now we're adaptation? just talking about movies. Great. Tell it to the movies dust. About is, that, writing movies. is that a writing movie? Ask Which one? Ask the dust. Ask the dust. I don't know. The sequel was Tell It to the Dust. What are your rankings? Oh, well, so Edward James almost, uh, that the first film, uh, Stand and Deliver, is definitely a buy. Um, I, I, I know I saw the other two, and I am not as familiar, although I will say one of the cool things about Dead Poets is now is seeing all those guys who were brand new and then seeing now, you know, what their trajectory like, like is. Josh Charles and Bobby Chris O'Donnell. Is Chris O'Donnell in that one, too? No. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Robert Sean Leonard. Robert Sean mm-hmm. Leonard. Right. I was thinking Chris O'Donnell's in uh, School Ties, I which school I just ties. watched again. Oh, School Ties. With now, yeah. long overdue since School Ties, Brendan Fraser finally has his Oscar. But for, like, on. Jews, School Ties, that's a big... It's a great one. <laughs> Jews in the one. 90s, School <laughs> Ties is a big movie. saw that one a lot. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jacob. Pass. All right, Jacob. Uh, all right. They, Jacob just passes. He doesn't want to get in trouble with anyone. Get two out of those three movies. All right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> no fair, fair, um, fair enough. Uh, is this all we? I mean, we could go on forever. I could go on forever. I want to. I'm going to go sign up for each one of your classes. So I come on down. I'll see you next semester. I, I, don't, I don't. I I I like hanging out with you. I'm more of a private lessons guy. So <laughs> we'll do an independent study. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, study. Um, uh, thank you so much for being here, um, Jacob, Lizanne, Kevin, Hank. Uh, the school is, of course, the University of Arizona's School of Theater, Film, and Television. And tomorrow is. I Dream in Widescreen, a celebration of your incredible students and the amazing legacy as teachers that you have. Um, and to Lizanne's point, 
we haven't gotten a chance to talk about the writer's strike today, um, and this is our first episode taped since it started, and we too have tremendous solidarity. We have really good friends that are striking, um, uh, we, um, and uh, yeah, they're not asking for anything crazy. It's, it's, really, it's really important to pay people for their work, and I'm glad that they're taking a stand because I think it's going to have an effect for a lot of other people in it, you know, like if they're, 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 they're taking a stand and it's going to help probably hopefully the whole industry. Um, anyone else want to weigh in on that, by the way, just while we're talking about the writer's strike, I don't want to sign. I mean, it's impacting all of our friends and our families. And, uh, we were just Kevin and I in the hallway, we we're just talking about how we have a graduating class of seniors that are now looking for representation and the, the agents in Los Angeles particularly are kind of on hold about onboarding any new talent because they're like, you know, things feel uncertain. Um, while we're talking about that, I want to actually make a point of, so a good friend of mine who's in the guild, I asked him, so how can people who live far away and want to help and, you know, sure we want to post on Instagram and stuff, but he gave us the website of the Emergency Relief Fund in New York, which we, uh, the Entertainment Community Fund um, Financial Assistance Program, you can support that, and you can even designate it for film and TV if you want, and we'll put the link in the episode of this show, uh, and we made a donation from the siblings, um, and so you can join us in supporting not just the, it's also not just the writers, it's going to be all the other folks that might be not mm -hmm. working because of this. Well, so good. All right. We got to get that out in this episode, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the pictures I've, I've seen uh, of people out there on the picket lines, it seems like uh, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty solid group out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And definitely the best writing on protest signs ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for being here and congratulations on uh, just a, an amazing like, job with these amazing students. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. It's yeah. been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Friday Night Movie, the sibling rivalry and pop culture podcast. Join the Friday Night Movie family by following at Friday Night Movie on all of the socials and visiting our website, FridayNightMovie.com. Our theme song is by What Does It Eat? And make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.